Hey everybody, it's number 260 of Shop Talk Show. Just Dave and I doing another rapid fire episode, getting to as many questions and answers as we possibly can, talking about all things front end web design and development. Questions like, I don't know, I was at a WordCamp recently and I kind of offhandedly mentioned during my talk that WordPress search, default search is kind of bad, but didn't really explain it. And somebody was wondering about that. So let's get into that a little bit. And uh, let's see, we have so many things. We have, uh, um, there's a CMS out there that uh, someone is wondering about releasing and how best to do that. And maybe it's the greatest CMS that the world has ever seen. Uh, Rich Finelli sends in an audio clip cluing us in a little bit about how at supports works with Flexbox a little bit. And I learned something during it and it got me worried about something that I recently did. So that was a uh, uh, very useful. Thanks for that rich and lots more questions, uh, server side rendering of JavaScript apps and conference recommendations. So much stuff coming up soon on shop talk show, Mr. Dave, please kick things off. Hey there, Shopamaniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Coyer. Chris, how are you doing today? So fantastic. I'm missing my uh, my standing desk a little bit. I liked we. I used to. I, ha- I have one. It's just in Milwaukee, and I'll be back there in a couple of weeks, so I'll be back again. But we've recorded so many shows sitting down now. I always like to just stand up for these things and. I uh, I have my standing desk. I got the IKEA Beckant system, uh, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, and um, I my mic sits a little low, so I raised up the desk just a little bit. To this is ultra lazy of me. I raised up my desk just a bit to put my mic in front of my face, <laughs> and now my hands are like at, like gorilla arms, <laughs> right? Like like uh, my like shoulders are like fully extended right now. So anyway, hey, here we are. Yeah, Behind you mentioned scenes. last week it was uh, it's kind of conference season, which is a true yeah, conference season. It's a true thing. Lots of conferences coming up for both for Dave and I. You want to hear my first world problems here, Chris? Mm, I you, do. Oh, God help me! So I have the Surface, beautiful Surface uh, Pro Three that was sent to me by Ray Bango from Microsoft. Uh, uh, it's it's getting a little old, and you know it's been plugged in and plugged out and all that for for quite a few times. Um, but I I was you know I'm about to get on a plane like today you know for client stuff and then go to conferences and I plug it in and guess what happens, Chris? Nothing. Oh. It doesn't charge. Mm-hmm. Not charging. I don't know how to diagnose that. And uh, it I look at the charging port you know and and they're like there's a little piece of metal flip flapping around and i'm like uh-oh <laughs> this is that's not how that's supposed like the other the metal on the other side of the thing is attached and this one's kind of flip flopping so and i've noticed it's like a little tough to plug in and like it gets a little you know squirrely you know um and there's like like gashes on the aluminum like where i plug it in <laughs> so it's like it's been it's been been brutalized so uh i oh i don't know chris i'm it's i i i'm not the kind of person who likes to gamble uh on professionally with hardware like you know like you're not gonna be like yeah there's a decent chance my computer won't work but i'll go to this conference anyway yeah yeah i do not like that that doesn't sound good to me so i'm like oh no do i need to buy another uh like laptop because i i have this desktop pc which you know like i said it will last me forever i'm very happy with it but like i'm just like oh i might need another laptop to like you know so i don't whatever have like so you grab a like, new one and then put the cord between them and suck everything over is it easy on windows oh it would be i don't know if that's easy or not um just to like like vacuum files and stuff. So I might just do a clean, clean go and just pull things from GitHub. So that's the thing is hope. Ideally I've put everything on GitHub, but um, that's tough. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what's happening. I don't know if I should get a big beefy one or if I should get a small one. Oh, you're not going to get a surface or are you talking about there's different kinds of surface. surface. I might get one of those razor laptops Uh, um, with, with like the, 
there's two there's this 10 there's this ultralight 12 and a half inch so kind of like a, the macbook if you will like like it's kind of that but it has ports on it um and then there's uh there's the uh the 10 like the one with the gtx 1060 gpu in it that's the razor blade that's a 14 inch it's kind of like the macbook pro uh version um but it's uh it's uh oh boy i wish i wish i i knew what i was going to do here because there's about a thousand dollar price difference there so uh i don't know but but like i can't you know dave rupert llc the business can't just show up and like have powerpoint fail so i'm like uh what do i do so anyway here here's my first world dilemma chris i don't know yeah well let us know how it panned out and whatever what you get if you get something at all it would be fun. Yeah, I, it'd be fun to have a new computer, but but I'm I don't know. I'm at the like peak stress of like like I got it working. I got the surface working. Like it's charging again, thankfully. But you know that thing where like you have a hardware failure and now you're like like I'll never trust you again. Yeah, I either I never will trust you computer or you're like or you're you're like are uh, did I l- get lucky and fix it or did I, or, you know, like, like, did I just get lucky? I think I maybe got lucky and that's what's, that's what's paralyzing me with fear. Anyway, speaking of paralyzing with fear, let's get into some questions and answers. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's another thing that's kind of broken and is related to conference. Magnus scare writes in, uh, Chris, you recently spoke at WordCamp Miami. I did. It was just the other week here. Um, and I had a look at your slides. You mentioned towards the end how default WordPress search is bad. Can you elaborate on this and how can we improve it? Um, mm. It is bad. I don't. It's not one of those things where I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't say something like that. No, default WordPress search is bad. It's just. What it. do you mean? It just returns an ordered list of strict matches. <laughs> yeah, and like I don't. I don't know. Expect. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't think WordPress itself can fix this necessarily because it's, I don't know. I just don't know enough about search. But for example, if I write a post, like there's a very popular post on CSS Tricks about Flexbox, right? Uh, You type Flexbox into that search result box, you better get that because it's probably what people are looking for. Or if they don't know what they're looking for and they found that, they'd be very happy to find that, I would think. I want that to be the thing that shows up when people search. Unfortunately, if I were to just use WordPress search and type Flexbox and hit return, it will default to an ordered list, like you said, of anything at all that I've published that has the word Flexbox in like the text or the title of it or whatever, which is probably a hundred posts. You know, the 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 one that I want people to find them is a, a, a buried a hundred deep because I use the word Flexbox a lot in articles because it's a blog about web design. So it's just gonna yeah. be bad, like. I, and and how do you solve that? Well, you you can't. Well, there's lots of ways to solve it, but I don't think default WordPress can't solve it. You need some yeah. third party something to help you. You're doing the Google custom search thing, which I'm sure you're shelling out some bucks for, huh? No, I don't shell out any bucks for it. I, oh, really? Uh, because I let them put ads on it or whatever, which I I uh, think you tie it to your AdSense account, and I make like three dollars a year on or something. Heck yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't care. There's ads. There's ads. And it's great search results and there's ads. Okay, who cares? Whatever. Um, you They're shutting that whole thing down. Do you know that? Oh, really? Yeah, that's oh, going away. Custom search is going away? Yeah, entirely. Not even one that you can pay for. <laughs> that's awful for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many client sites that are going to break. Oh, no. Yeah, I have that's... to look into it. I don't know every single detail, but I look. Maybe you know, your there's grandfather. A public- no, I don't think so. I think it's, well, I, oh. it's it's hard to know, but that's that's going away, uh, to, to on at some level. Um, Yikes! I think all the levels. I think they're just going to shutter it. Uh, Yikes! So there's other third party solutions. You know, I've been hearing a lot about Algolia. I don't know that much about it, but it, it looks cool and it's fun to even like search around on their site because it's so fast. It's like ridiculously fast. Um, search that you implement on your own site. It's a hosted search H- API. They call it instant results from the first keystroke. You know. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's a real live live refresh. It's cool. Yeah, it's they're just cool. using like 
TMDB, the movie database or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, so you have to feed it data, though, obviously, right? Yeah. I mean, if they can't, and I don't know, maybe they can, maybe there's some WordPress integration that, that can scrape all that data, or maybe the API for WordPress can be the, for, be the data. <laughs> can, I don't know. Can I just say I've already broken it? Have you? <laughs> I typed Godfather because that was one of the movies on there that they showed me on this thing. And the Indian remake, the, the Bollywood remake, is the first result. <laughs> so, which is because it shows up it's Godfather, not the Godfather. So oh, anyway. so it's a better result. Oh, wow, you really did already break it. Well, this brings up a very good point. And <laughs> that how does it know, like as great of technology as this is, and I'm compelled by it, and I, I would love to integrate this on CSS tricks, right? I would love it. I, maybe I'll do it. I want to try it. It, what it doesn't have is any kind of knowledge of how popular any particular piece of content is unless you tell it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, like, for example, on CodePen, we had to roll our own search. Well, there's no Google search on that. We roll solar and you know, all these whatever mm-hmm. technologies for it. And we give it all the information it needs to know what's popular. We've made it part of our business. We made it part of our algorithm to figure that out. And, and how we do that is how many times it's been clicked, how many times it's been viewed, how many comments it has, what the age of it is. There's t- t- 10, 20 things in there, at least. The factor is popularity. We wrote a popularity algorithm. I haven't written a popularity algorithm for CSS tricks. I don't know that I'm capable of that, necessarily. WordPress itself doesn't calculate that kind of thing. It yeah, you know. might not have the data for it. I just like, don't have the data for it, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what do you do? What do you do? Well, I don't, I know what I'm going to do when this thing shutters is I'm just going to have my search box on the site just target equals blank form that links to Google that says site colon CSS dash tricks dot com and your search term. And it will it will scope results to my site, but just be on Google dot com. I don't that seems fine. I mean. People are used to Google search results. They know what's going on there. Everybody in the universe has seen that UI. They're finding what they need to find, whatever. I'd prefer mm. to keep them on site, but I'd rather do that and have great search results than pay a bunch of money and have garbage search results or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you buy one of those like blue rack mount search engines from Google still. <laughs> you remember how you could get like a, uh, anyway, I'm sure the Bing API is going to save you on this one, Chris. I'm Bing fine with that. site search. Bing's going to save you, dude. Bing's got site search. Like, I don't know. Search engines. If they <laughs> do, I'll that. use it. I don't care. I tried to search for it on Bing and it did not show up. So I don't think they do. <laughs> oh, poor Bing. Here we go. Well, Come this on, is buddy. a massive opportunity for these third party search providers, but they, it does need to be a little more clear. I think that th- this can't save you. This can offer great APIs and great UIs and stuff like that, but it can't, determine what's popular and awesome, an awesome search result for you like Google can. Right, right. Like that's Google's whole business is knowing what's good content and what's like like what's amazing on your site. So, I guess back to the original question, like how could WordPress fix this? Like track getting views. some sort of popularity or view tracking data in the in the database, but yeah. that's going to hammer every database real hard though like i know like like movable type and stuff that used to have that and like if you got digged or whatever oh you're down bye because you're doing 100 Mm -hmm. writes a minute or a second yeah i wonder if you could have a layer on like spin up a little redis on top of that and store the data there instead right but that makes wordpress really complicated now right like that's like it does but it would be opt-in it would be like yeah, like I don't know. you want good search or, yeah. or whatever. If automatic sold that feature, you know, like, would you like, maybe automatic has something up their sleeve, but uh, very possibly. Or Algolia should jump in here and be like, hi, we do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hi, it works called search plus WP search plus. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, Ship it. 
I installed it. I just already. So okay, good we, we we could actually use that on on Shop Talk too because we're we're gonna hopefully roll out search in the redesign. We talked about how we uh, are gonna update our data models and all that, and so like it'd be cool to like not just search posts, you know, post content or post title, you know, like to search oh, yeah, all the data we have. That. Are we losing? Well, we'd lose default SEO. WordPress search because it won't look through meta fields. I would think. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. So. Yeah, anyway. All right. Hey, more CSS questions coming at us, Chris. Or CMS. Nathan Brown. CMS, sorry. Uh, Nathan Brown writes in, uh, say you uh, have built a CMS. Say you thought it was perhaps the best CMS for developers out there. What would you do with it? Uh, I have built such a CMS and it's being wasted on my employer's handful of sites. I own the code and so I can release it, but is it worth it? Uh, putting it up on Git might look good on my resume, but aside from that, it seems like uh, a hassle of inviting trolls to point out how my code is so last Tuesday and I'm doing it all wrong uh, is not worth it. Uh, the other option is trying to sell it perch style. Uh, this is an attractive option considering I'm only making minimum wage, but selling something requires clients, businesses, skills, uh, which I have none. I, I'll I want to come back to that. Uh, what would you do? Uh, I am proud of what I've coded and want more people to see it. I'm just not sure how to go about this. The goal is a, to make, uh, some money and B get more people using it. Um, so, uh, the, you just want to go back to this. Like I want to do this, but like the clients of business stuff is, is not my skill. I heard a great podcast with presentable FM with, uh, Jeff Veen and Jessica Hish was on there. Uh, I'm, I think we've had Jessica on the show, but, uh, it, it's, she just talking about like, you get into freelance and you're like, yeah, oh wait, I have like clients. This is not my favorite. So like, or whatever, like it's, it's like the reason you like, like whenever you go freelance or like start something to try to make money, like you, you are kind of taking on this whole thing. You might not truly understand and that's okay. Like, like you should try to gamble on that but like yeah it's it's a if you don't have the skills you'll have to learn those skills you know mm-hmm. like, that's all it's gonna say it's a good podcast i'll link it up in the show showbies we call them showbies now showbies <laughs> 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 oh, man hey hit, hit the showbies uh, for the link okay <laughs> there's a um, lot to unpack here you know in as they say on podcasts because there's the I don't know. There's the okay. I, you you have this golden egg of a CMS that's the p- perfect one the world's ever seen. I'm sure oh, there's plenty of us that are like, let's let's see it. Let's see it, Nathan. Uh, because is that? I mean, you're using it in production, so that's a good sign. You're using it for client sites, that's a good sign. I sometimes think like, is it? I, I don't. Uh, a CMS is as good as it's implemented in a in a way that. It, a, is a good CMS code only? You know, I think there's yeah. there's more there's more to a good CMS than just you know your perfect Some coding. UI. Yeah, there's community, there's documentation, there's how easy it is to extend in certain circumstances. I guess that is a code thing, but there's there's things that make a good CMS that you can't code in a bubble. We'll right, see. right. Well, th- so that's what. So this is what I'm thinking. Like WordPress might not be the best CMS, but it is very open source. It is GPL, and it's out there. And it's on 20% of all sites. It's free. That's how it got big. Um, you know, and this is sort of a business model thing. Sometimes Perch, it's hard to compare things to WordPress because it is such a outlier and how enormous it is. But yeah, I wonder yeah, if comparing it to Perch is more interesting here. Perch, uh, not open source, but a very good CMS and like very customizable. Um, but probably attracts a smaller market share just because it, you know, they have to market it and sell it and, you know, advertise on podcasts and, you know, they have to kind of hustle to make it kind of a thing, but they can also use it for their client work. So that's good too. Um, and, and the more people you have now are like what a decade into, into refining it and listening to their customers and iterating on it and building what people need and stuff. And that's, and still, you know, you wonder if is it better than when it started? It must be, right? Is it? Are they making more money than they were when they started? Absolutely. So you have that journey is still in front of of you. I don't think you can yeah. short you can't short circuit that by being like, well, mine's better. And what's Bastion Alger's thing? Kirby, um, get yeah. Kirby. That's a good one too. I mean, like, I think there's 
you know, I, I think if you're like, it's the best code, like, <laughs> I think you have to vet that and put that online <laughs> personally, but like, um, like you have to show, like we, we show if you think it's the best, you got to show it. Uh, or, you know, I mean, or it should sell itself. Um, you know, ghost was another one. Uh, it, uh, uh it has the best code, but it's, uh, you know, it's a, I think, I, I think quite a few people are using it. So I think you could, Definitely, you can do it. The up. market I mean, is super saturated, though, so you're going to have to compete on that. I remember. I think. I think what maybe what compelled a lot of people with Ghost is it looked so good. It just looked. It just had good, good, good UI. Well, and it had like it was like kind of like like Node, like WordPress, but with Node, you know. So it had this like cool feel. Um, like or I think it was exciting technologies, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Um, purchase the exact opposite in a way they're just like no this is a classic old school mysql and php banger because that's what we think makes sense for so many cmss and it's very friendly to hosting environments and we can support it and yeah and, yeah so i don't know I don't do you know. have a hook yeah. like that you know i think what I mean, the, the hook for perch might being that it's it's fairly inexpensive and it's supported and it's super duper flexible it has this it has some very interesting um, ways in which it operates, like isn't it like you build like a you build like a front end and expect certain data, like you put certain stuff in curly brackets or whatever, and then it's like, oh, I see that this is the data you'll need on the back end, so the back end builds itself for you based on the front end. That's cool, you know. So like that's a good hook for their CMS. Be like, oh, that's that's compelling to me. I'd rather just work on the front end and let the back end sort itself out. Ghost being yeah, the technology's hot. The UI is is cool. Uh, Kirby had this like, well, it's a it's kind of a flat CMS, but not all the way. Like it it, yeah. it uses uh, you know, and that's a good hook for it as a CMS, you know. Yeah, well, you know, is is this a hosted CMS? Is this something you're going to host and and people sign up for accounts and then start building their site within your thing or? You know, is this something I download and set up? Like, is all your documentation in order? I think you got a lot of questions there too to kind of figure out. Uh, you know, and all those questions are probably going to be easier with a team of people working on it. Which that, unless yeah, you have some the people that are just as funds. excited about this thing as you are. Yeah, if if you have the funds, hire them. But if you don't, you might have to do the open source route to make it happen. Um, yeah, and there's ways to make money even in open source, as you know. Like, let's not bring up WordPress again, but you can definitely go like, this is open source, but the plugins are paid. That's a pretty common way to go, you know. Like, yeah, like Craft basically, or Craft has like, I guess, a two hundred dollar like license or something. But you know, there's certainly ways to go about that. Yeah, that maybe that would be the interesting way. This is a really good CMS, a really, really, really good one, but. The Stripe integration is fifty bucks or something or whatever. Oh, I mean, dude, you just you paid for you paid. That's great because like everyone needs is gonna need something like that, you know, or or all your dedicated users, you know. Yep. So, yep. There you go. Well, hopefully that helps. Yeah, Chris Rosenberry writes in. Hey guys, love the show. High five. Uh, I've been the lone in-house web designer slash developer slash whatever needs to be done at the moment guy for a few years. We're looking to bring someone in to help with the ever-increasing workload. What tools, tips do you have for moving to a solo show to a team environment? So you're alone, Chris, all by yourself. It says it says we're looking now to bring someone in. I'm like, does that must be the royal we? <laughs> uh, possibly, um, or maybe he's like the lone developer, and there's maybe some businessy, you know, um, sure. stuff. Um, bah, bah, bah. Um, you know, I so I can say this. Uh, Paravel has recently. Uh, brought on two people to help us with some work. So we're not, they're not employees. It's like another agency. We're kind of subcontracting, but we're kind of managing and working with them. Two cool guys, Joel and Julian there. And uh, so we're, we're trying to, um, uh, and, and the reason this is working for us is, is the company we're working with also needed some like, like they had an agency kind of be like, okay, we're going to go 
work on an app. And, and so they were kind of looking for multiple roles to come in. And, and we were like, you know, our friend's shop fits this, these roles you've described so pretty well. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. Um, that seems like a good first step and good advice for Chris Rosenberry here, doesn't it? Because it'd be like maybe your first step is to work on some projects with someone else, so they're not maybe like on your payroll on day one that you've that you've baby see, stepped into it. Yeah, I think we like to work like this. We we find partner agencies, and we've done this in the past too. It's like you know, I don't like to do the e-commerce stuff, but I have friends uh, who like to do the e-commerce stuff, like build out the whole system and, and just do it, you know, and handle it. Um, and so we've like subcontracted and offloaded that stuff to people before. And and I think that's a great thing because it's sort of like, let's try this for three months. If we hate each other, we can back out everyone. We're still friends or we, you know, or like no hard feelings. Um, or, you know, we can do this for six months and get the project done and then reevaluate contracts or whatever. That's like, that's a great thing to do, you know, kind of like let's, let's do this uh, kind of like let's, let's Voltron up for just a bit, you know, and then, but still maintain our autonomy. And then if we need to kind of part ways, we can. So, um, so the, we've the done risk that being lower than I would think the minute you put somebody in your payroll, you can't be like, Two months later, be like, oh well, we didn't get a job we were supposed to have, so you're fired. Like, yeah, it's it's most it's mostly like just like matching matchmaking, you know? Yeah, because like that's the that's what I don't like is like, I mean, if you pull somebody on your pay payroll, you know, you're you're now managing healthcare, you're now managing you know benefits and and all that like quite a bit of stuff starts happening when you start pulling people in uh, for full time. So I, I think you can get away or do the contracting thing for a bit, you know, like, like be like, this is a three month contract and then we can hire after that, you know? So then you have some time to kind of think about that. So, um, so in, in that's terms the, of like, that's the scary part, but I mean, I guess I would, you know, you, I'll let Dave go on in a second, but there's, you know, maybe I'll do a positive side to it too, after you're done. Sure. Sure. Well, I guess I'm just thinking like, um, like, you know, you at CodePen, CodePen's a great example because it was three dudes or three people to start out with. And then you kind of went through a phase like you pulled in like David DeSandro to kind of help, right? And to, uh-huh. to kind of fix and do things like kind of on a contract. And then you guys eventually uh, hired, you know, the uh, <laughs> uh, like Tim, Jake and, and Rachel to kind of help out with things so on the dev uh, side yeah and marie as dev, well on and everything marie else. on the social stuff and, and we're so. not an agency so it's a little bit less uh volatile i guess not that all agencies are volatile but they are one-off jobs a lot of times and and you never quite know there seems to be ebb and flow to the to the and you had you yeah. had like a cash infusion um you know that's i think not a secret, but <laughs> uh, you had some investment. Oh, I think I understand so. this a little bit better. Chris is saying, so he's an in-house somewhere, and he's alone on a team, but it's not alone at the company entirely. So this yeah. question is a little slightly different than that. But yeah, I would say being alone. Yeah, we just had a question about somebody who was who was was totally alone, and wasn't it wasn't Rebecca Murphy saying something about a couple episodes ago about? Somebody, she talked with somebody who was working alone, and they were kind of bummed out about that, but really didn't have the ability to just like leave. You know, <laughs> like they need right, to right. make money anyway. That that's another that's another thing. I, I would say, yeah, I would say get away from being solo ASAP. On the positive side of being having having somebody to not only share the load with, but bounce ideas off of, and so I think you're you immediately really level up your skills and ability when you're not alone. You know, I would, I would agree. I, the older I get, I think, I think lone developer is an anti-pattern and I'll go out on a record and say that just cause like, like coding is almost a social skill. It's like, okay, I'm going to prescribe this. What do, does this meet everyone's expectation? You know, like, like you have like a social check and balance to make things to whatever iron sharpened iron you have like people like contributing mentally to code not necessarily like with their fingers but it's i I think you need 
I think like being a lone developer is almost an anti pattern. So you need kind of uh, at least two or three heads to kind of share against. So, um, so I guess what, uh, any tips from moving from a solo show you, I mean, you've done that with like your blog and things like that, Chris. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to codify some processes probably like anything that, Anything that is just on your machine is probably going to need to move, you know. Get everything in version control somewhere. Uh, get a shared Dropbox for your assets or whatever. Find some new fancy software for that kind of thing. Like, evaluate what software you're using. Like, when this new person comes on board, are you going to enforce that they buy a Mac? Or are you going to <laughs> enforce that they buy a Linux machine or a Windows machine? Or are you going to be like, use whatever you want? Uh, uh, and then if you're saying use whatever you want, is that, is that going to work? Is that going to, I don't know, you know, you're going to have to make yeah, some choices I mean, there. Well, yeah, it's like how, like, like what's your plan for bringing them up to speed, you know, um, onboarding, I guess is what it's called in, uh, in the, like the first week, the first month and, and then the first like three to six months, like what, what's your plan to make sure somebody gets onboarded? I mean, uh, for us bringing this team in, uh, to help with this project, I like had to, um, like I had to do a little bit of work of like setting up a repo kind of like that they would work in and just saying, Hey, here's kind of this, we can go through it and ask questions, but this is sort of, uh, the package that you'd start with. You know, we had to establish kind of our Git flow of how we're going to build things. Um, we still don't understand how we're going to deploy things quite yet, but we had to, you know, kind of. <laughs> like work through things before we get going. And then, you know, there's always kind of extra lore you have to pass on like, Oh, we can't do this cause this and this, or we, we should we're working towards this and this and this. And so like, how are you going to onboard people is always a question. And I don't know that I'm doing a good job of it, but I think that's part of it. Good luck. Do it. I think it's uh, it'll give you a little, it'll give you a little fire under your belly too. Like, Oh yeah, we hired somebody. We got to make this thing work and might be the, motivation you need to do great things yep good luck with that and ooh, i got the audio question and it's kind of a comment it's kind of an update on something we were talking about with css supports from rich finelli here we go hey chris and dave rich finelli here i was listening to episode 253 where you were having a great conversation on the at support css feature query one thing that was discussed was how you can put your flexbox code inside of an at supports query for flexbox and that makes it easier to write your fallback code outside of the at supports query for browsers that don't support Flexbox. Currently, I'm working on a video course on CSS with a section on Flexbox. And it just so happens that the day I'm listening to your podcast about this, I was working on adding fallbacks for browsers that don't support Flexbox. And I was debating the use of Modernizer and trying out other ways not using Modernizer on how I can, let's say, gracefully degrade so the UI still looks decent in places where Flexbox was used in the browsers that don't support Flexbox. At support seemed like an ideal solution, but I came to the stark realization that at supports is supported in Edge, but not IE 11 and below. However, Flexbox is supported in IE 10 and 11. IE 10, of course, with the MS vendor prefix and older syntax. So if you put your Flexbox code inside and at supports querying for Flexbox, then your Flexbox code will not get executed in IE 10 and 11. Now, one thing you can do is put your MS vendor prefixes and syntax outside of your at supports query. This gets a little messy, but that only is helpful for IE 10. You're still stuck with your Flexbox CSS not working in IE 11, since the unprefixed Flexbox CSS is still inside the at supports query in IE 11 doesn't need the vendor prefix and doesn't support at supports. So that was kind of a bummer. Flexbox and at supports was looking like the perfect marriage, but I was thinking that a good use case for at supports is when querying for any CSS feature that has equal or worse support than at supports. For Flexbox, I may, key keyword is may, still use Modernizer to, to detect if the browser supports Flexbox. Just wanted to add that tidbit to the conversation in case it might be useful for somebody. Thanks, and keep up the good work. That is really useful for me, actually, because I, I just was uh, 
so just to add even more complication to it, somebody wrote into me saying, uh, I'm stuck on an iPhone 4. It's uh, not stuck on, but I like the form factor of it. And iPhone 4 can't upgrade past like iOS 7, I think, which is pretty old. It's like four versions old or at least three. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. It Flexbox it doesn't work in properly in that old version of iOS. So you know what? I'll this is easy. I'll just wrap my Flexbox stuff that I'm using for page layout in at supports, and uh, and that way you'll see all the, everything as display block, and it won't be great, but it will be totally readable. Uh, and so the problem here being that I just borked IE10 without I just did it. I was just like, oh yeah, it works great. And it works fine. And I looked at it in in on the iPhone 4 and it looked fine. You know, I was like, this is what I was intending it to do. Not realizing that I just destroyed IE10 and now I'm looking at it in IE10 and I did in fact ruin IE10. So which one do I hate? <laughs> iPhone 4. <laughs> Who do I hate? Um this is tough, man. IE is like it you know it's going away but it's 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 very um the the like they in IE10 they removed like browser sniffing like you can you know it has like a fake webkit thing and uh you can maybe target it somehow but like there's no like if IE10 add this class thing uh IE11 doesn't have it either so it's it's tough man it's tough to find to to diagnose IE eleven problems, IE ten and eleven problems. Um, I yeah, I, I don't, don't know what know. to do I, now. Should I? This is very relevant to me. Should I? Should I pull my at supports and get it back working in IE ten and eleven, or not? Or should uh, I? I mean, I guess I could I could do some. I could do the modernizer thing and stuff. I guess, but I'm like, oh my god, it's such a. Both of these are such small, tiny amounts of traffic that it's tempting to screw it but yeah um yeah it's probably you don't want to worry about it or right now but let's see okay so you have i can say like at supports flexbox here's my flexbox code that works in every modern browser except ie 10 or an and 11 right and then i can or i can just rock my flexbox code without at supports all right now I'm doing that and it works in, and let's say I auto prefixer and I'm running it through. So now I'm working in IE 10, 11, and every modern browser. But this IE 7 one, ooh, like iPad, old iPads, and yeah. I guess uh, iOS 7. iOS 7, sorry. iOS 7. Um, ooh, man. Cause that's gonna, ooh, I don't know. Cause that has no flexbox, or it has only the uh, WebKit flexbox, maybe. Uh, um, let's see. I think it's none. Can I use? Yeah, flexbox. None. It has nothing. Beautiful. Um, iOS Safari. Oh, it looks like it does, doesn't it? WebKit. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that messed up then? Hmm. Maybe it's the flex wrap thing that's broken in it. That's it was a common yeah. one for a minute. Or maybe my auto prefixer is configured to not go back that far. I wonder if that's what it is. Cuz a lot of Ooh. you know the default auto prefixer says last two versions and this is certainly over yeah. than that. iOS 7 is we webkit prefixed. It didn't unprefix so iOS 9 in September 15, 2015. Hmm. So, but so if, if I'm went, doing last two versions, it's ten and nine. So it's which means eight would it would ignore eight, which needed WebKit prefix. So yeah, it's my auto prefixer that's borked here, huh? Gee, good di- good diagnosis. Yeah. So I think if you did prefixing, you'd actually go back pretty pretty far. Um, I mean, like, how did I not see this? Um, the, but you're still, the edge stuff is, is pretty rough. Like the edge and IE, sorry, edge is fine. IE support is rough. Eight, you know, eight, nine, 10 or eight, what? Six, seven, eight, nine, six, eight, nine, eight. six, seven, eight, nine. Do not work. 
So well, it doesn't have gonna... Flexbox support at all, or yeah. ad support support. So it's just yeah. Rich had a good point about here about the crossover <laughs> between the support of ad supports and the support of Flexbox. It's a it's probably the last anomaly, and that ad supports is going to get better and better and better. Right, right. Like that's the only, like once I ten goes away, we don't have this problem or I 10 and 11 go away. We don't have the at supports doesn't actually work. So it can't actually detect problem. So I wonder if there's any kind of polyfill there, anything? No. So it's great for grid at supports. Yeah. That's some insight. So hopefully I, I think these are the kind of questions we like need to solve, you know, like, like, like we have all these new technologies, grid and, you know, like Flexbox and, and, and all these things. And like, how do we like, how do we make sure we're not borking over like, you know, whole browsers, like as we do this, like, or like finding cheap fallbacks. I think that's a big thing. So, um, all right. Well, thank you very much, Rich. Uh, next question, Chris, comes from Gary Hall. I recently listened to your podcast on web security. I promptly went to Mozilla Observatory and got an F on the WordPress site uh, I am maintaining for my wife. It is on a shared hosting service running Nginx. It appears after doing some web searches and contacting support, that while I can certainly take care of HTTPS and secure cookies, which I think I can set my HD access file, uh, the other items such as CSP uh, must be added to the nginx.conf file, which obviously I don't have access to. Uh, Am I missing something, or is there simply no way to fully secure a site on a shared host running Nginx? Thank you. Share so basically doesn't have access to his Nginx configuration, which is that common? Uh, I have access to mine, but that's just one example in the world. He's on my Media Temple server thing, but so mm-hmm. there is an Nginx sitting in front of. That seems weird to offer well, no configuration at all. Yeah, if you can do it in your HT access, if you can set things there and it affects locks things down, you should be able to set your CSP there. Um, like, cause that's just, you're telling the server how to serve files and the Nginx is maybe just a proxy sitting in front of your site, kind of like a load balancery sort of thing, but it's basically just handling the requests and, and Nginx says, okay, I got this re- I got this request. Uh, I'm going to go talk to Apache and come back and serve this thing to you the way it, Apache told me to serve it. To yeah. You. That's not, um, that's, you can do. Yeah. I had that set up for a minute, but you don't have to also run Apache. Right. You can just be straight Nginx, which is just like, like, which I, I would think, you know, the, the thing is, if he, he's saying he set his HT access file and, and it seems to do stuff, um, that makes me think it's Nginx is just a proxy kind of thing. Um, that's, that's my only thing. But if you're running Nginx, if, I think most shared hosts should let you, uh, set things. I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't, um, but you, it may not be obvious, I guess, is the thing, huh? Any ideas, Chris? No. <laughs> Can't, no. I don't know. I, I, one of the things I was going to mention on this one is that, okay, you know, there's a few things you can and can't do, and it's a bummer or whatever. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that you almost certainly can do is HTTPS. You know, that goes a yeah. long way. Like what, in our episode that Gary listened to, you, there's like there's a checklist of of things and. And and just doing some of it is good, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, and and we we uh, put some h we put some HTTPS on our site uh, on Shop Talk. You probably don't see it all the time because we're doing a bad job of like strictly enforcing it. Um, you got to research that more. But uh, you did dig up the fact that yeah, we really can't change the the MP3s to be HTTPS, right? It breaks and some stuff. Right, like if we if we switch our our RSS feed to HTTPS, uh, iTunes is, is just going to be like, who are you? Like, like <laughs> it just doesn't, it just does not like it. Um, and so I like I need to. If we're going to probably do that all in our redesign, probably like encode in, in or secure the whole front end. But we're using a WordPress plugin to manage that to kind of like turn it on here, turn it off here. Um, so I think we'll be okay, but it is, it's like soups, super scary. So, um, to figure that out, but I think, um, we'll figure it out. 
as as we go. So I need to look into that. Or, but that's the thing, is, dude. Like, so can you use a meta tag to add CSP? I'm sorry, that is an aside, but isn't that oh, isn't that is an option, isn't it? Um, I'm gonna. I don't think you absolutely or... need Nginx to use CSP. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that does work, Chris. Well, solving problems. It's it's not the beautiful, most beautiful code, but it does work. So, yeah, there you go. Hey, we solved it. <laughs> cool. Cool. Next. Uh, Look at us. Web, web profession. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Igor. Um, Chivanskia. I was going to say Kvasnichka. That's better. I've heard a lot about server-side rendered JavaScript applications. I get it. They make the initial render much faster because the user does not have to wait for all the JavaScript to load, especially slow on a slow network. Upon first HTTP request, he will get a full HTML, CSS, and the JavaScript will come later. So that's the idea of this first render, initial render thing. Speed. However, the thing I do not understand is the UX. User sees a fully rendered page, and it looks like the page is fully loaded, so he starts interacting with it, like clicking on the buttons and stuff. But the problem is that the J until the JavaScript is loaded, the page is just a dummy thing that you can just look at and do nothing. So the poor user is clicking on a button and wondering why it is not responding. I don't think this is a good UX, especially on slow mobile networks, where it may take some time until the JS is loaded and the page is fully rendered for interaction. What do you think about all this? Uh, I, you know, I agree. Like you, you, you rendered something and it's good. You rendered it fast, but if it doesn't work, like what'd you do? You know, like, like, and this is, I think like the, the Chrome team is trying to get away from this idea of, of first paint and, and like render speed to this idea of time to interactive, which is a very loose thing but that's the that's this thing you're looking for igor it's that thing of like this has this is now an interactive page like the javascript has executed that big yellow slug in your uh in your uh, uh web inspector tools that yellow slug has chilled out and died down and now you can use the page the page isn't working it's interactive now so i think i think that's like what people are uh, like starting to look for there's a couple tools you can use to figure this out uh lighthouse from google i think is is rolling in time to interactive uh but there is a cool repo i'm gonna give this is uh this is some stuff you probably ain't seen on the twitter unless you paid a bunch of attention uh pw metrics from paul irish paul irish slash pw metrics uh gives you this like sweet bar chart um and it tries to guess your time to interactive um and it's using kind of the lighthouse metrics and stuff like that so um yeah so pw metrics um kind of tells you how things work so uh you know i was thinking about this and I, i i also think you're right i mean it's it would be weird to render a page that had all kinds of interactive elements all over the thing and they didn't do anything at all. That's dumb, you know? But that's why Mm -hmm. conversations like this always need a little bit of scope, I think, to talk about what is it exactly that we're talking about. And I think that Flexbox stuff, you know, should have been caveated with this kind of stuff too. It's always like, it's thinking about things abstractly is fine sometimes, but it's kind of like if you're building a fallback for a flexbox scenario, what is it? What are you trying to build? What kind of fallback does it need? You know, does it need to match 100% exactly perfectly what flexbox is doing, or can you display block it and it's fine, or can you display inline block it and it's fine? Like the, 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 there is no just like this is how you do a fallback for this scenario. It's never that cut and dry. It's, it's always more useful to look at what it is you're trying to build a fallback for. Look at what it looks like when the flexbox isn't working, and then decide on what to do after that, and decide on nuanced browser sniffing or whatever the heck you're going to do. Uh, only in extreme cases and stuff like that. That type of thinking is the same thing going on here. 
Like, what is your server-side JavaScript app? You know, we had, uh, remember we had, we had Denowitz on from Pitchfork, and he was talking about headless CMS type of stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were about to say headless satanics, and I just was like, what? <laughs> yeah, don't you remember our... Yeah, okay, 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 go ahead. Sorry, headless CMSs. Yeah, that's, there, there isn't a lot of interactivity on an app, front-end app like Pitchfork, other than links, <laughs> You know, and right. you click those links and you go to another page that the server side could render and does. And and then yeah, and yeah, you're waiting for the JavaScript, you know, I've heard it said to catch up, to get fully rendered and then and then take effect. So if you're talking about just a content-based app, but you've decided to go with a front-end framework uh like React or whatever. Because you're, you know, you're like we've talked about what is it in the last episode? Because you're building an SPA or whatever. Uh, that is a great opportunity for server side rendering because the links are still going to work. You know, they're going to through routing are going to get you to the right place and all that. But would you would you render a input type range on there that you know needs needs React DOM binding to do anything at all? Well, oh, that does seem a little weird to just drop a slider on the page that you're asking the user to interact with. It was rendered by the server and is useless because the JavaScript hasn't arrived yet. That's a bummer, but it's not an unsolvable bummer. It's kind of like, can't you just write something into your JavaScript that says, you know, okay, I've loaded now, so now make something appear, or remove right. a attrib- uh, remove a disabled attribute, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's ways to make this stuff happen once the JavaScript does arrive. Well, I, th- I think the secret is if you're like concerned about this. And and we should all be concerned to a degree, like like the 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 way to get around this is ship very small amounts of JavaScript so that it it will load and execute fast on a cheap phone. So you know if you do that, you're in really good shape for the zombie phone apocalypse. Like you're you're in in and if this page metaphor works for your your site, like like pitchfork for example it's like the it's it's a page and you click a thing and you go to a page the web is the the like the web stack html css javascript is very good at this page metaphor you know the the kind of thing you know people the big complaint is it doesn't work for apps you know and and it's like i i disagree but if you're if you're in like the page metaphor doesn't exactly work for you. I think CodePen projects is a great example. Like I'm like dragging things on. I'm you know coding inside the thing, saving and loading a preview. Like like the page metaphor just does, is doesn't work in in that browser window exactly. It's just there's so much going on. It's very stateful. Um, I think that's when you want these these JavaScript heaps of JavaScript to to come into play. So. Mm-hmm. So I think it's all, you know, I think, you know, there is a lot of nuance missing in these browser, you know, JavaScript or not, you know, questions. Um, But I wish there was just this kind of just this a little bit of nuance into how or when you might want to use a a kind of framework, you know, Um, yeah. I think state it's, it's all for me, it's coming down to state. Mm-hmm. Like how much state are you trying to manage? And then if the answer is more than three things you want a framework. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, you know, or, or you yeah. can, yeah, I wish I had a, you know, cause it, it really is down to the, the exact situation, but I wish I, I I'm going to, I kind of write something about this soon and show off like a real world scenario where you're like, look, look at this piece of UI. Look at how many bits of the code could, could be touching and caring about this particular piece. Wow. That's what we mean by spaghetti. That's what we mean. Like this is unmanageably weird. It would be really easy for somebody to come in uh, and, and, and alter this in some way or have some expectations about what's happening in the DOM and have that be changed elsewhere, and have nobody know what's going on, and having that be very bug prone. And anyway, I'm, I'm reverting back to like why frameworks. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, yeah. I think, uh, but I, you know, I think um, Igor, I think you're on like, I, th- I think you're thinking, you're asking the right questions. Like, 
you're assuming it's a slow phone. You're assuming it's a, you know, a, a kind of underpowered phone on a 3G connection. When, when you start thinking of the web in those terms, which is kind of becoming the default as we like, we all go, you know, migrate over to mobile. Like, I think you're asking the same questions and or asking the right questions. And then pretty soon though, like, or not soon, but like, like there are exceptions. That's where that nuance comes in. Like, like, am I doing a lot of code pen projects on my phone? It would be cool, but it's probably not going to happen, you know? So like, like there's, there's a bit of nuance, you know, when, when this stuff happens, but that said, I do from time to time, try to write code pens on my phone, Chris. <laughs> I could use a better experience, but uh, anyway, yeah. it's it's more of a challenge. It's more like it's more like I'm gonna freaking code this on my phone, and I don't care. I'm just bored at the airport or something, so I'm gonna code this. That's funny. Yeah, yeah it's uh, projects itself is close, but it has some troubles with events, and I was surprised that it worked yeah. at all. Hey everybody, this episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by nobody. So we'll get out of your way in a second. I just wanted to say that you can sponsor Shop Talk Show. It's at shoptalkshow.com slash advertising, where it talks about what you get and how it all works and all that kind of stuff. Some statistics and data. Feel free to reach out to us too if you have any questions about that. And it's self-service if you want to book one and pick a date off a calendar and do all that and then of course we work with you on the content and all that stuff after you pick up the spot so shoptalkshow.com slash advertising all right well should we do this last one's a softball does this sound good here Mm -hmm. uh kevin keininger keininger i'm sorry kevin you gave us the pronunciation i still ruined it uh with 2017 around the corner i'm wondering if you could recommend any conferences to attend this coming year uh i'm about a year and a half in the industry primarily focused on front end and hoping to attend a conference or two there seems to be so many well-organized conferences so any help uh you could provide uh in narrowing them down would be great bonus points if uh the conference is in the midwest oh wow cool um, what are, I mean, I don't know what to, to say other than occasionally conferences sponsor this show. So uh, I don't know, asterisk there, but the ones that do are basically fans of anyway. And what are you going to this year, Dave? That'd probably be the easiest. Uh, yeah. So I'm, or can I, I want to knock out the, uh, the, the, uh, the Midwest question because I got uh-huh. some insights here. Uh, you got, you got NEJS, uh, conf, which is put on by like, uh, the Nebraska JavaScript in Omaha. Um, so that's like Zach Leatherman and people like that who are really good at the scripts. Um, and that's, uh, when is that? I don't know when that is exactly, but, um, it's usually later in the year. Uh, but CFP is like closed today. Uh, and then, uh, big Omaha is another one there, uh, kind of Midwest and there's like, you know, Minnesota and all these, uh, there's St. Louis. Um, anyway, so there's some good like Midwesty conferences. Um, I'm, probably too late because it's like this week uh, i'll be at squares conf in dallas uh which is gonna it's kind of a developer-y conf and it should be a lot of fun uh and then i think um nothing super scheduled i may be in germany but uh the, the one i'm kind of looking forward to is longtime sponsor uh historical sponsor of the show is uh a css dev conf i'll be there in new orleans this year uh, so really um Sweet. yeah uh, so were you not I'm at the, the last one that was in New Orleans? I was not yeah. there because I think I had a baby. Ah, uh, yeah. So um, you'll be at the New Orleans one this time. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll be in New Orleans, and uh, it'll be good. Um, uh, it should be a lot of fun. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to that. That's this Octobery. So go check it out. CSSDevConf.com. Yeah. Uh, that's always a fun conference. And if you like this show, I can guarantee you like that conference. Um, yeah. But Chris, you're doing event of parties. Yeah. Right? It's October 9th through 11th is the CSS DevConf one. Yeah. It's just for people. Yeah. Me and Dave will both be at it. So that's a perfect one to promote. Not exactly Midwest, but yeah. Uh, one's in the mid, I am doing so two, at least two in the Midwest. One event apart is coming to Chicago. That's August 28th through 30th. So that's, that's the heart of the Midwest, I'd say. 
And what else in the Midwest? I'm going to do in Dayton, Ohio. I'm going to be doing a Build Right Maker series with the Sparkbox yeah. folks. Yeah. Yeah. So those two are, are Midwestern-y that I'm doing. Uh, and though oh, it's interesting, these are so back to back because I um, I'm doing a, a all dayer at both of them, and I guess we're not using the word workshop for either of them because they both have little different kind of takes on it. But it's a full day session uh, where we, in disguise, build a website. You know, like that's the it's called let's build a website, and we do that kind of, but it's just an excuse to go down lots of rabbit holes along the way. And think about all the different stuff that goes into basically being a front end developer today. Like, let's talk about all the things that front end development faces, like the stuff we talk about on the show a lot, but structured and with notes and takeaways and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess we'll leave it yeah. at that Event Apart, CSS DevConf, and the Build Right Maker series. And there's uh, also, if you're, uh, you guys have a guide on CSS Tricks, the 2017 conference guide. Uh, and it's just, we do. it's just, I don't know, 200 conferences. You just can kind of scroll through. So um, you could go to CSV Conf because I know you love your Whoa. <laughs> uh, comma separated value sheets. Um, so, no. Uh, but there's a lot of good ones. Uh, kind of, th- this is all over the world. So you have to kind of dig and read. But um, yeah, there you go. All right. Well, cool. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this and your podcast of choice to go to a conference this year. Make that your goal because it's really worth it. And uh, hopefully we'll see you there and say hi. So uh, thank you. Uh, and uh, follow us on Chop, at Shop Talk Show on Twitter for tens of tweets a month. Um, yeah. Uh, if you hate your job, head over to shoptalkshow.com slash jobs and get a brand new one because people want to hire people like you. And Chris, do you have anything else? Shoptalkshow.com. <laughs>